every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I love trying to imagine, I don't know about you, but you probably do as well, love trying to imagine what the Garden of Eden looked like. It is described as the most amazing, the most beautiful place you can conceive. You know, there are a lot of beautiful places in this world, but they, I believe, pale in comparison to what we can imagine Eden was like. You know, on top of it being perfect, on top of it being beautiful, the, the inhabitants there, Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, walked daily with God, or God walked with them. They were in his very presence, talking with him, conversing with him, having fellowship with their creator. Can you think of anything more wonderful than that? That's the picture we see there in the Garden of Eden. And as the scripture tells us, right in the middle of all this beauty sit two trees. Moses, the inspired writer of the book of Genesis, tells us that the tree of life was there and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Right there in the middle of this paradise, the stage is set, I believe, for the rest of scripture and really the rest of eternity. Two trees and a choice. Let's look there in verse 15, or excuse me, Genesis 2, about this choice. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. There's a choice. God had provided everything that was perfect, everything, every need of man that he, ha- he had was fulfilled there in the Garden of Eden. But God, you know, made us people with a choice. We like choices. But choices have consequences. Let's continue on. You know, it's, our, it's hard for our, our finite human minds to grasp the Garden of Eden, isn't it? No sickness. No pain. No cancer. The temperature was always perfect. No rain or thunderstorms or tornadoes or hurricanes. No weeds or poison oak or briars. A perfect place. We're talking about absolute perfection and one painfully simple rule. God is saying here, you can have all of this. You can do all of this. Just one little thing you need to remember. Don't eat from the tree over there because if you do, you will surely die. God is very clear in his instruction to man there. It's not you might die. It's not there's a good chance you will die. It's not looking good, but you will surely die. But the serpent comes, we know, and tells a different story. He says, are you sure you'll die? Did he really say that? Surely die? 
Did he really mean that? And Eve begins to doubt. Let's look at Genesis 3, verse number 4, beginning. Genesis 3, verse number 4. Then the serpent said to the woman, listen to what he said, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Beautiful, perfect place, one choice. They chose death. Paradise lasted for about two chapters. My Bible, it's page four. It's where the, the transgression occurred. They ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and the results have been echoing throughout history ever since. Your life and my life have been shaped as a result of this decision and the curse, sin, that came with it. Not because we inherited Adam's sin, as the Calvinists teach, but because sin and its consequence entered the world and the human race. Listen to God's reaction. Verse 22, Genesis 3, 22. The Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Death was pronounced on the human race. This is a loss on a scale, I believe, that we can't truly comprehend or conceive. Adam and Eve were in direct communication, direct fellowship with their Creator, God Almighty. The very reason that they were created. That relationship, that connection with Him was shattered. It's in that moment outside the Garden of Eden that they realized that they had done something that could not be undone, something that could not be replayed. For the rest of their lives, they tried to put the broken pieces back together again. They realized there was no way to rewind, no way to hit a reset button. They had their choice between life and death, and they chose death. And because they chose death, the tree of life is now off limits to them. Could it have been, think for a moment, could it have been in the mind of God that humankind would have always had access to that tree of life and never died? Isn't that a wonderful thought? But we know that's not reality because the choice these two made. There's an amazing passage describing Uh, how the passage, the entrance into the garden and into the tree of life is blocked. God takes the tree of life. He protects it. He places a cherubim, an angel with four wings and a flashing sword that flashes every which way 
to protect the entrance or the way to the tree of life. And in this moment, we are cut off from the tree of life and death results. We've been trying to find our way back ever since. It's a theme of finding our way back to the tree of life is woven throughout the pages of Scripture like a fine tapestry. It is the theme, I would submit for our thinking, from running from the begin, beginning to the very end of the book. You know, in the Old Testament, when Solomon builds his temple, the very center of the temple is, uh, in the Holy of Holies is marked by the imagery we read in Genesis of the tree of life being guarded. We won't take the time to turn to it, but this is 1 Kings chapter 6 and verse number 29. It says, On the walls all around the temple, in both the inner and outer rooms, he, Solomon, carved cherubim, palm trees, and open flowers. When you enter the Holy of Holies in the temple, you entered, and Scripture is very specific about this, you entered on the east side. That's significant from the, the Garden of Eden. Noah received a tree branch as a sign of hope when he was in the ark. The book of Proverbs describes a wise man pursuing the tree of life. Throughout all of Scripture, this theme continues to be woven. You really, if you really boil it down, I think it's the gospel story, isn't it? It's the need for man to be reconciled back to God. Now, let's fast forward. From the first book of the Bible to the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, chapter 22. From the very beginning of time, the origins of man and the tree that mark the time, that time to the other side, to a promise way into the future, and a tree that will mark that time. John, the inspired apostle, provides us a glimpse into heaven. Look at Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22, verse 1 beginning. John, by inspiration, writes, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life which bore twelve fruits, each, yield fruit, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. This is absolutely amazing. It's amazing because our promise is that while the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the death that came from it, the curse that came from it, the pain that came from it, and the loss that came from it, that may define our past. But as children of God, it will never define our future. See, it begins and ends with a tree. Just as in the center of paradise there in the Garden of Eden, there stood a tree. When paradise is regained, the very center of the city, John tells us, there will be a tree, the tree of life. The very tree that was blocked, we talked about in Genesis chapter 3. If you really think about it, these two trees are kind of bookends on our history. The first three chapters of the Bible talk about the first tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It brought death and pain and destruction beyond imagination. The last three books of the Bible talk about the second tree, the tree of life, that will bring healing and restoration beyond imagination. One defines our past and one defines our future. 
we find ourselves somewhere between the two trees. And while our future hope, this is our future promise, we aren't there yet, are we? So the question is the same question that has haunted man from the moment that God blocked the way to the tree of life in the first place. How can we be sure that we will get back to the tree of life? If you read just a little further on there in Revelation 22, I believe that it provides us the answer, the key. Verse number 14, Revelation 22:14. Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates of the city. Those who do his commandments, those who've gained right or access by their actions, their obedience to the tree of life. The answer to the question that has been asked throughout Scripture is answered in this passage. If you want to get to the tree of life, you must wash your robes. What does that mean? Let's talk for a moment. Let's look back at Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7, verse 13, beginning. Again, John the inspired writer. He writes, Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who come out of great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. If you want to get to the tree of life, you need to be washed in the blood of the Lamb. This song that I'd asked Brian to lead for us tonight, Jesus paid it all. The song says, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Do you know something in between these two trees brings us to another tree I believe that we must consider? There's a tree in the middle. After years of wandering in the desert, after thousands of years searching for a way back to the tree of life, Jesus came onto the scene saying things like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me or through me, John 14, verse number 6. What do you think he was talking about when Jesus said, I am the way? I believe he's going all the way back to Genesis 3 and verse number 24 where it says, After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. You've been searching for a way back to life, a way to be reconciled to God. Jesus says, I am that way. But Jesus is saying here, not only am I the, the means, but I'm the end too. I am the way and the life. I am the way to the goal, and I am the goal. I am the way to the tree, and I am the life promised in the tree. See, in the beginning, there was a tree. At the end... There was a tree, but there was a tree in the middle too. It's the tree Jesus hung on, on Calvary. Do you think it's an accident that God 
chose to use a tree to reverse the curse of the first tree? You know, we know God. Nothing happens by accident or surprise to Him. Everything that He has always done and ever will do fits together perfectly. Perfectly follows His will and His plan and His purpose. God doesn't do things on accident. The Bible says that cursed is any man who hangs on a tree. Galatians 3 and verse 13. Jesus became that curse for us. A curse for you. He took the curse of death that came from the very beginning. Through his death on that cross, he brought life. When you believe in him, your identity is no longer part of that curse of sin, but it is found in the tree of life through your obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our story begins in a garden but it ends in a city. That holy holy, heavenly city that's promised to each one who would obey Jesus Christ and his gospel and live for him. The story of scripture is the story of paradise lost and the promise of paradise restored. I would submit for our thinking it begins and ends with a tree. You know, the Bible is an amazing book. I hope, if nothing else tonight, this lesson has shown you this common thread, this common theme that's woven through the tapestry of time, through the, God, through the book that God has blessed us with. We call it the Bible. It flows so perfectly, it fits so perfectly together. You know, critics try to be critical of God's Word that it's not inspired, that it's not from God, and all those things. And you, those of us who believe, we know that, that's, that they're wrong because nothing else, nothing man-made could fit together as perfectly over the years like the Bible. I'm so thankful that we have it, and I hope you are as well. The Bible's an amazing book. It shows us that God loves people even when they disobey his words. We look back at Adam and Eve, don't we? Sometimes critically. There they were in the paradise. Seemingly simple choice to make. Seemingly insignificant at the time, I'm sure. They messed up. But thankfully, that's not the end of our story. We see the impact of sin from the Genesis chapter 3 all the way through Revelation 22, the end of the book. Throughout God's Word, we see His marvelous plan to redeem sinful man. We see it as it unfolds, don't we? You know, Scripture tells us that the gospel was preached to Abraham, Abraham the patriarch, way back a couple thousand years before Jesus came on the, on, was born of a virgin. The gospel was preached to Abraham. Because God said, through your seed, the nations of the world will be blessed. He was talking about Jesus Christ. That plan has it unfolded. In Jesus Christ, we, were, we find redemption. Look quickly to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 7. 
Ephesians 1 and verse number 7. Paul, the inspired writer, writing to Christians there in the first century city of Ephesus. But it has application to all mankind. He says, Ephesians 1 and verse 7, In Him, talking about Jesus Christ, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. In Christ, we have access to the tree of life. To be in Christ... The Bible says we must be in His church. We must be in His kingdom. We must be in His body. All synonymous terms for the church that Jesus gave His life to purchase with His own blood. Tonight, if you're here, if you're outside the body of Christ, you are outside the kingdom, you're outside the church, you're outside God's plan. We say that as lovingly, as with much compassion as we can muster, trying to urge you to make a choice, to choose life, to choose to live for Christ, having access to that tree of life for all eternity. But I would submit for you, you're thinking you'd have access to a wonderful, abundant life even here in this physical realm. That doesn't mean you're going to be rich. That doesn't mean you're going to never get sick. Doesn't mean you're going to have all the things that you want. Doesn't mean that you're not going to sin. Because we do. But because we've been washed in the blood, that blood continues to flow from Calvary, even this very hour, washing our sins away. That's the promise that we as Christians have, that the world cannot conceive. Would you not become a Christian tonight by believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Repenting your sins, that means to change. Confessing the wonderful name of Christ, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Continuing by the way you live each day to make that great confession through your, your way of life. Be baptized in water. There's where you meet the cleansing blood that washes away sin. Redeeming you once again. Reconciling you. Making friends with God. Rising to walk in newness of life. As a Christian, we must broadcast. We must teach others. And as also as Christians, we, there's a way we have to behave. Jesus said, Be thou faithful unto death, I will give you the crown of life. That's a wonderful promise that we can have. Tonight, if you're here as a Christian, maybe you've had public sin. If it's known that in that fashion, it needs to be repented of and asked, uh, confessed in that way. God is faithful and just to forgive you of any trespass that you're willing to repent of. The lesson is yours. Thank you for your attention. If you're subject to the Lord's invitation, we make it available now. You'll come as we stand and as we sing.